Welcome to the A Fire Podcast. Now streaming on Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. Each episode features real and honest conversations with thought leaders from around the world at all levels of the commercial real estate and investing business, examining the ideas and questions fundamental to the future of our industry. Where are we now? What happens next? What should we do about it? How do we become better investors, leaders, and global citizens? For more, here's your host and the CEO of AFIRE, Gunnar Branson. Where is everybody going? Now, if you pay too much attention to the mass media, it seems that everyone is leaving the cities for the country because of COVID. Is that true? Or is something else going on? I asked Gleb Nagayev, chief economist for Berkshire Residential Investments, to join me back on the show to give his perspective on the city versus the suburbs. So thank you, Gleb, for joining me on the AFIRE podcast. Thank you, uh, Gunnar, for uh, yet another opportunity to, to join your podcast. After your fantastic article in the fall issue of AFIRE Summit that you uh, titled Shifting to the Suburbs, I can't think of anyone that I'd rather ask questions about this dynamic uh, than you. And uh, everyone is talking about this kind of mass exodus out of the cities and out of the core markets driven primarily by COVID and perhaps by the aging of the millennials. But that sounds like a pretty big thing and, and, and pretty dramatic, perhaps too dramatic. Is, is that really happening? Uh, and, and to what extent is it happening? People need to take a closer look at the data when they make these, these sweeping uh, statements. And uh, unfortunately, the data that we have uh, lags somewhat. Uh, so the latest information that 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 we have is still in terms of the official data is as of is the pre-pandemic data. So any statements about uh, exodus from the city uh, or the booming suburbs uh, are based still largely on anecdotes and observations based on what we see, for example, in real estate fundamentals. Um, or home sales, uh, single-family home sales, et cetera, which do suggest that there's been a shift uh, to the suburbs. But I think it's important also to put that in the context of what we observed over the last few years uh, and understand that uh, whatever is happening today is not an entirely new phenomenon. That, in fact, if you look at um, the data, various types of data over the last uh, five years or so, it shows that 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 shift towards uh, quote unquote suburbs. And we can get to the question of definitions uh, uh, shortly, because I think it's important also to uh, highlight uh, to our listeners as to what we mean by by uh, cities versus suburbs. Uh, that shift has been happening for some time. And in fact, uh, the data shows that uh, there's been a progressively stronger difference or uh, wider difference in terms of the growth rates for population uh, in uh, central cities or the primary cities of the metro areas around the country and in their suburbs. 
So that's been going on for some time, and uh, it wouldn't be a surprise, I don't think, uh, to anybody that uh, what we've observed during the, during the pandemic has exacerbated the, the, these trends. But um, to talk about um, an outright exodus implies that it's, it's something permanent uh, and long-lasting, and the truth is we really don't know uh, how long uh, these uh, trends uh, will be in place. And there is a lot of factors that can change that. And I think that's, uh, that was one of the reasons I wrote that article is to, uh, to turn the attention um, of uh, our readers and listeners to the cyclical nature uh, of, of real estate and, 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 and understand that uh, we've been here before. <laughs> it's it's uh, and not just in this cycle, but in the prior in the prior cycle. So, uh, while the history doesn't repeat itself, uh, as the saying goes, it does rhyme. And and while every cycle is is unique, uh, there are certain common themes, and um, at the same time, there are factors that will shape. Uh, this cycle, which make it will make it different from the prior ones, and the pandemic is one of those uh, big factors that could have uh, perhaps longer term effects. Uh, but it it still helps to think for us uh, as real estate investors and 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 participants in the in the economy uh, about this as uh, as something that's playing out against the backdrop um, of uh, changing. Uh, demographic trends and changing uh, supply and demand fundamentals that that have a tendency to um, rebalance themselves um, after a certain time, and and I think that's that's the part that often um, gets forgotten, especially when um, there is um, there is a tendency to sensationalize uh, certain certain things. Well, and I also find it refreshing that instead of making some sort of pronouncement about what is happening in the midst of COVID, that uh, you're able to say, we, we really don't know exactly um, what's happening. Although, you know, lack of data never stopped anyone from making a broad pronouncement, I have a feeling. But, so the, the rules of the cycle still apply. Um, to some extent, even though they might be slightly different because of the, the pandemic. Uh, help me a little bit in terms of understanding suburbs. That's, that's such a broad term. And it, it can mean everything from, you know, the, the, the traditional suburbs of the mid 20th century to something that looks often quite urban. What are the successful suburbs right now in this trend? What are the ones that perhaps are less so in terms of growth? Could you help us kind of understand what you mean when you say suburbs? Sure, and 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 uh, let's start with the definitions. <laughs> it's it's an important question, uh, uh, as, as we mentioned before, uh, to uh, to really differentiate um, in terms of uh, even from the data perspective as to what uh, what is being analyzed here. Um, the the way we look at um, um, at the suburbs, uh, in this, in the context of this article, at least, um, is the following: We have metro areas, so cities, so these agglomerations of um, um, populations and economies uh, that are comprised of uh, both city cities and more and more urban counties, uh, and uh, the more suburban areas. 
And uh, the way, for example, the Bureau of the Census uh, or some other data sources, uh, at least those that that are widely available and 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 um, verifiable, they um, track information at the city tend to track information at the city or county level uh, on an annual basis. Uh, there are some more granular definitions uh, where one can look at the subsets of uh, cities uh, and and focus more on the so-called uh, urban cores areas within cities that have higher density. But for the purposes of general analysis of city uh, versus suburbs, we tend to look at, at the so-called principal cities. So, for example, places like city of Boston or city of New York, um, city of Los Angeles, uh, city of Chicago, Denver, etc., um, and look at uh, at the trends. Uh, in those principal cities of the metro areas uh, relative to uh, the remaining um, parts of that same metro area. So is the principal city growing relative to its more peripheral parts of that metro area, uh, or is is the opposite taking place, where whereas perhaps these more peripheral, quote unquote, suburban areas growing faster um, relative to the city. And what we find find is uh, there is a quite a bit of variation across the country uh, in terms of uh, in terms of what is happening. And even in the cities that are perceived to be uh, slower growing, if you compare them to 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 their suburbs, quote unquote suburbs, uh, many actually show that they are actually doing a little bit better <laughs> than than the suburbs. They're not they're still not growing very well, uh, but they're still doing better than their surrounding uh, surrounding uh, suburban counties. Uh, but to answer the second part of your question as to which uh, parts uh, or which suburbs are growing. The best right now, uh, the uh, overarching theme for the United States is that it is predominantly the faster growing uh, areas of the United States, and in, in, in particularly this, uh, those the markets or metropolitan areas that are located in the south and west regions of the country uh, that uh, are displaying very strong and have been displaying uh, much stronger growth. Uh, particularly in 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 their suburban counties, their cities are growing at a strong rate as well, but their suburbs are growing even faster than that. So uh, we're talking uh, about places like Austin or Charlotte, uh, Dallas, uh, Nashville, Orlando, uh, Raleigh, Phoenix, or places or like that, San Antonio. Uh, and what is interesting about that growth is that the it appears that they're gaining population uh, mainly or have been gaining population at least prior to the pandemic uh, due to migration, domestic migration from other suburban counties from the more um, uh, coastal areas or coastal cities. So what you're saying is that it, it's less a city to suburb migration and more of a suburb to suburb migration? It's it's a mix. It's a mixed story. I don't want to generalize, but there are many cases, yes, at least in the last uh, three, four years, where there's been a lot of growth from the suburbs into suburbs. And that's important because, uh, you know, because it helps understand 
not just the changing nature of demand for different types uh, of residential real estate or even office uh, when people think about if we go back to my prior article where we talked about do people follow jobs or do jobs follow people uh, this is this is an important observation for um, for real estate uh, investors and developers to to see uh, what is driving some of these shifts and is it really new or is it something that's been going on for some time and therefore um, will already have some impact on real estate fundamentals um, independent even of, of the pandemic. And the pandemic may, may, may either speed up uh, or, or, or deepen uh, some of these effects, but um, you know, we, we're certainly paying attention to uh, to where where people are moving and 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 uh, and what might change that uh, going forward. You mentioned in this article that uh, suburban office has been growing for some time, along with the growth of the suburbs. Is that because the people are there, or is that? for another reason well it, it's part of it people were uh i think already moving uh to to the suburbs uh for for at least um in greater greater numbers uh in the later phases of the last cycle during that expansion phase and 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 and, and the firms started to uh to shift there as well um and um and and that 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 was one of the factors. Um, but but what is interesting too is that is that supply wasn't as quick. New supply, new development wasn't as quick to to react to that um, uh, until perhaps now. Uh, so there is there was also uh, a, a bit of a disconnect between stronger growth in demand for uh, certainly for for residential space whether it's single family or multifamily and uh, in this in the and supply uh, in in the suburbs in my uh, current article mentions uh, that uh, much of the new construction in the last few years has been concentrated in the cities um, and um, and that that uh, that will have some impact in the near term on how um, the fundamentals might play out but it also creates <laughs> sets up conditions for for the next cycle subsequently when the rents adjust uh, and 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 city uh, fundamentals uh, make urban living uh, more attractive again for for people to move back you showed a chart in the article from us census data in terms of suburbs versus city growth over the last say 9 10 years and it it was fascinating to me that the first half of the last decade you saw a that cities had an advantage in terms of growth over suburbs. And then as you got halfway through our decade, it started to switch. So now it's suburbs are growing at a faster rate than cities. That seems to follow a kind of life cycle for the millennials that seem to be driving a lot of that, uh, where you have uh, younger people uh, wanting to stay in cities. And then as they get older, have families want to have more space that they move out from those central uh, city areas. Am I reading too much into that chart, or do you think there's something to that? No, there's definitely something to that, um, and 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 we've observed that um, also in terms of um, the shift in uh, locational uh, preferences for older millennials, some older millennials uh, who are 
in the position to buy homes and uh, that uh, some of that trend uh, has started um, before the pandemic. But the other reason for, for this uh, divergence that you're referring to uh, in, 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 this, in this chart, and that's a, in a big part of the story, is the data shows that since about 2016, we also saw uh, progressively uh, lower uh, rates of international migration. And if you think about where international migrants primarily go, uh, it's it's those principal cities. So they've they've used to benefit that trend in, in international foreign migration has has been benefiting uh, growth in um, many principal cities for a while. Uh, but then that 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 started to uh, to taper off. Um, and and these principal cities do need uh, international migration because they um, that that migration offsets some of the losses uh, due to domestic migration, and so they were able to or or some some of the weakness that they they've experienced uh, in 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 terms of domestic migration trends, um, but now it, it was a combination of both progressively uh, more uh, negative domestic migration and slower foreign migration that contributed to that. And uh, that might change too, uh, but not necessarily immediately, because we know that while the, while the pandemic uh, is not um, under control, uh, it's unlikely that we'll see any significant uh, movement uh, in terms of the international migration. Certainly, we're in a pause on that in terms of all things international at this point. Uh, but I don't know if I've seen a more or heard a more persuasive argument uh, for our legislators to think about their immigration policies than this in terms of the economic impact uh, that you can see in black and white here around how international migra immigration affects the success of our cities. Do you think there might be a potential repeat of this pattern? A researcher pointed out to me recently that Gen Z is not much smaller than the millennials in terms of number of people. Do you think there will be a similar cycle or do you think that it's far more reliant on that international immigration piece? Uh, no, I think I think it is uh, a few uh, years away. Uh, and by that time, it could be a very good momentum uh, once again for cities to um, uh, to start attracting uh, people uh, in the same, if, if not at the same rate uh, as as they did uh, a decade ago, but certainly stronger uh, situation than now, because you, know, you, you will you will have some adjustments in terms of uh, demographics, and as well as when that that Z cohort begins to enter the labor market in greater numbers and 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 starts forming households and 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 looking for uh, for residences, but also uh, uh, prices should adjust. Uh, by that time, and so the combination of all these factors should should start um, showing up. And uh, the big question right now, frankly, and this is based on many things that I, that I hear, is how quickly is this adjustment going to to happen? Um, people, some would argue that uh, you know we we could see that adjustment happening very quickly as as the vaccine uh, comes out, and 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 um, and and we will. Uh, will start seeing these effects uh, very quickly. At the same time, there are arguments that are being made uh, in terms of the longer term 
uh, effects in terms of how um, companies are thinking about use, using office space and flexible arrangements uh, with regards to work from home and other factors. So it's uh, I think it, it, it still remains to be seen. It's 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 a bit too early to speculate about the, just how quickly that uh, timing uh, will be. But uh, but it, it but I think it is uh, reasonable to expect that um, the faster cities are able to address some of these uh, imbalances that I mentioned in the article and 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 uh, pandemic concerns is not the only concern that cities have right now or some of the cities have. Um, once they address that, uh, they will become yet more attractive again, and that ultimately that's what what it's about. It's about quality of life, and um, being able to attract uh, young um, uh, and not only young people. Increasingly, don't forget that one of the things uh, which will also be the um, character characteristic uh, trend of this decade is uh, the aging of the millennials. I'm sorry, of the um, baby boomers, and 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 that's it. That's also a very a very large um, um, group of people, and not a monolith. So their choices uh, will also um, greatly impact uh, the urban um, landscape. Uh, not just the suburban landscape, but also the urban landscape and where they will decide to live um, and their choices. So that's another uh, another part of the story is the aging um, aging of the population. We'll certainly have a lot more conversation about that, I have a feeling, over the next five years as it really is facing all of us right now. Well, unfortunately, Gleb, we have run out of time. Uh, and as we continue to face uh, what I would call uncharted territory, despite the, uh, despite the help of understanding cycles, but this is still an area where we don't know all the answers yet. So I'm especially grateful to have people like you uh, helping to guide us through the darkness. So thank you so much, Gleb. Well, thank you uh, once again, Gunnar. And um, I, I wishing you and uh, all, all our listeners to, uh, to stay safe and uh, look forward to uh, a better year ahead. Before we close out today, I want to make sure that we thank our underwriters, Prologis, JLL, and Holland Partners for making our programming possible. You've been listening to the A-Fire Podcast. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple, Google, Spotify, and more. A-Fire is not engaged in providing tax, accounting, or legal advice through this podcast. No content included here is to be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell any asset. Some information, including the A-Fire Podcast, may have been obtained from third-party sources considered to be reliable. A-Fire is not responsible for guaranteeing the accuracy of third-party information. The opinions expressed in the A-Fire Podcast are those of its respective contributors and do not necessarily reflect those of A-Fire. To learn more about the A-Fire Podcast, including underwriting guest opportunities, visit afire.org slash podcast.